right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Episode number 121. Climbing up the ladder. Man, we got a bunch of... I, I've been I've been slacking. But I, got a, I got a bunch of episodes that we're trying to get recorded and trying to get done. But man, it has been back to back. So three, four weeks of solid prep. Uh, doing the nine to five and then and then prepping for SoCal Rally, which we are talking about today. That is today's episode is the recap episode for the SoCal Rally, at least my experience and what I did in my first ever quote unquote rally. Uh, so I am absolutely excited to share some of the stuff and what went down and that and thoughts and, and, and really getting out there. So we're going to cover that. But, man, we got a lot of stuff coming up. Sonora Rally. It is officially April. Sonora Rally is at the end of the month. It is the third round of the World Rally Raid Championship. Saw a post this morning with Ross Branch going to be headed out that way as well. Mason Klein, Skyler Howes, all of these guys are going to get a chance to show these guys the fast way around the Sonora Desert. So I'm absolutely looking forward to it. I will be down there in support of Rally Comp. So we are absolutely excited to be down there doing some tracking. Voice of the organization. I don't know. I'm going to wear like six hats down there, I think. I don't know. We'll figure it out, though. We're going to have a lot of fun. It is going to be an awesome event, and I am absolutely looking forward to that. And then right behind it, right behind the Sonora Rally, we've got two more events after that. In May, we've got the Cold Start Culinary Experience and Riding, so definitely want to make it out a couple of days for that. And then behind that one, we have none other than, and my next outing, Baja Rally School. So absolutely stoked on that. Going to start getting the bike ready for that as soon as we get back from Sonora Rally get that thing ready it's pretty much ready to go i think it i think it's pretty much ready to go now the rider i don't know you guys are going to hear about that here in a minute but the rider might be a whole other story but we're going to figure it out it is what it is all right with that being said let's get the party started let's turn this thing down a little let's turn the party down i might be a little bit rusty sorry guys i know the updates haven't been coming as normal you know sundays at 10 a.m that is my goal but I promise I'm working my way back to getting on to that schedule. It can be done. I'm just trying to get everything kind of situated. Still got to do the nine to five. Just waiting for Red Bull to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you just do the podcast for a living and we'll cut you a check? You know, I don't know. One of these days. Who knows? It'd be nice. Maybe one of these, you know, I really should start working on on getting uh, getting some guys. There's a lot of great companies that have supported me personally. I would love to start working with them and and getting uh, more of their information out. So I don't know. You know, maybe we'll I'll start working on a program. You know, maybe we do some like ads and stuff like that. Spotify per podcasters already on board, which is pretty awesome. So we'll see what uh, what comes from there. But I am absolutely excited for the future. We've got so much stuff going on. We got more people. If you haven't already and you are on Facebook, there is the North American Rally Raid group on there. If you want to definitely check that out and uh, and get plugged in. You know, I thanks to William Amundsen, I am a admin there, but more so than anything, I'm looking forward to helping people get into the sport uh, and that is going to be a way of doing it. So if you guys haven't already, yeah, definitely want to go over to Facebook if you're on there. I know some people aren't on the uh on the social media side of things, but you know, if you are, uh, definitely worth it. And just so we are hundred percent clear on that one, it is rally riders of North America. That is the Facebook group. If you guys want to join in on that one and check it out, you can definitely ask your questions, get all the information, uh, that it's a great community, a lot of people willing to help. So 
definitely jump on board on there if you haven't already. So, all right, here we go. It went down. The SoCal Rally, SoCal Roadbook Rally. Really awesome event, really awesome time down there. Uh, Dan Bart out there creating roadbooks along with Brendan Crow and a couple other guys. Uh, and it was an absolutely fantastic time. Just great get together. A lot of people um, hanging out, doing rally stuff, which was really, really awesome. So I looked, I really enjoyed the event. I did learn some things. I applied some things and there was a lot to it. So with that, you guys have already probably heard episode 119. Uh, 120, sorry, episode 120 of the ride uh, that I did before uh, with Gnarly Dave. And, and with Gnarly Dave, we got to get him on there because he's got a whole nother. I, I want to get his half of that ride uh, for me. I, I learned a lot. I know he he saw a lot. And I mean, he's he's an animal. I mean, 200 miles is not an easy feat to do in at pace. And he's doing that every single week and prep for rally. So that is awesome to see, and I definitely want to hear hear more about it. We did we did cut it about 20, 30, 30 miles shorter uh, than we would have, I believe, what he normally rides, um, and and that uh, was a continuation of it. So the ride went down Husky Monument crash site. Did all these and got to see a lot of awesome things. The petroglyphs got absolutely rained on. We had Taco Down incident number one, uh, and so that was definitely. Uh, a lot of fun, uh, very, very challenging, uh, a very interesting mindset change when the rain started coming down and getting into some of these washes and just kind of that feeling of just being out there in the middle of nowhere uh, and, and really thriving to from thrive mode to survival mode and back, you know, and it, it was really, really great. It was really a great trip. Um, I absolutely enjoyed it. I'm glad I got to do it. Still need to do more of those. Uh, but those are going to be definitely coming soon. So SoCal Roadbook Rally goes down, right? It's four days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, with four different loops that they had going on, and which was really, really awesome. You know, and, and this event, you know, remember, this is not like a race. It's not like one of these things. It's just a get together. So we're not, you know, this isn't something that, you know, it's just a bunch of people decided to get together and that's, it is what it is, uh, which is really, really awesome. Uh, it is really great to see a lot of new faces, a lot of people that were first time navigating, which is absolutely rad. You know, Dan, uh, Dan Bart giving a quick, you know, Hey, this is how you navigate. Here's some of the things you need to know and that kind of stuff. Mason Klein jumping in there and giving some information as well and helping people. And it, it was really, really cool to see. Um, for those of you listening that haven't had the chance to be somewhere around Mason and when he's out riding and all that stuff, he's having a lot of fun. It was really, really cool to see him. We were out on, uh, on one of the loops, um, and they called it the Pacific Crest trail. Not that we were riding on the trail, uh, but that's what they called it. And, or the PCT loop. Uh, and it was really, really cool to see. I mean, he just, I'm after going through some of these hills and some of this stuff, I was just kind of like in taking it in for a minute of what I had just accomplished, you know, and he comes flying around the corner on a, you know, the RFR. Uh, and basically, you know, he makes it look like I'm riding an adventure bike, you know, a, a 500 pound 790, but yet he's on a 300 pound rally bike, full on rally bike and makes it seem like he's riding a 125. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, so the kid's got talent and he's able to, and he's, he's not big. He's not a big kid. If you've, you've been out there and not kid right now, 20 something, I think now. Uh, yeah. So 
not the kind of guy he would think could muscle that bike around the way he does, but he makes it look effortlessly. I tried to get him to do this section that he did behind me as he pulled up again, but most of us know when the camera comes out, sometimes that leads to trouble. So he had his head on. He's like, nah, we're good. It just goes and, and takes off. So it was really, really awesome. Uh, there's a short, you know, we were just talking there. There may be a video later about that conversation, but uh, I digress. So let's go back to this. And day one, Gnarly Dave was out there. We went for a ride. He let me navigate uh, the majority of the route uh, of what we did. Um, we did the first day, we did about 190 kilometers of the route and, and we were done. My hands were, were at that point again, uh, we were starting to feel, you know, the, the, not the arm pump, but more so just, just tired. And I just didn't have the, the energy to be able to push the bike if you need to, because there are some sections where you need to push the bike in order for it to be a smoother ride. And if you don't, then it's a really, really, really bad ride. And then it just makes things worse. And so, uh, I, you know, me, I tried to make the, make the right choice. He was sounding pretty sick. I mean, after that last, after the ride that we had done before, um, it sounded like he was getting pretty sick, you know, towards the end of that. So, you know, we, we both made the decision and, and it was really awesome. I mean, we accomplished so much. I mean, for me, at least in my eyes, right. Doing 190 kilometers, uh, out there in the desert, uh, Mojave area and not that, it was absolutely awesome. So in the time that we went from the ride, right, let's really quickly just talk about some of the things that changed. When I went out uh, on that ride with him the week prior, um, I noticed, you know, that the bike felt really harsh. I really wasn't I really wasn't sure what was going on. And so I was trying to, you know, figure out, OK, well, this is the way this bike, these bikes work, you know. Um, but after a conversation with Ty Davis, of uh, zip tie racing, um, he told me, he's all now you're, you know, you need to do fork springs. Okay, cool. Bring them up. So we ended up, uh, my dad and I on our way out, uh, stopped by Ty Davis's place, uh, got the, got the fork, fork springs swapped out for something a little bit softer. And then I also, uh, had a chance to stop by, uh, champ ranch uh, to pick up some parts, uh, to help make the bike a little bit more secure and feel better. Um, you know, it, it was pretty cool. Well, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that. Or if you guys heard about it in the ride, you'll know, uh, what it was, but the idea behind it was just getting the bike more comfortable and which is absolutely critical. And that's what I learned this time around at the SoCal rally. It's like, okay, the road books were really, really good. And there was a couple things that went with that. But the big thing was, is I learned that, you know, my ability to ride a long distance, my form isn't quite there on the bike yet. That doesn't put as much stress on my hands. Putting the stress on my hands means it's, you know, it's, if you think about it, right, you think about what's the weakest muscle in the link uh, between the bike and yourself. Uh, it's either going to be your legs or it's going to be your hands. And technically, you should be using your legs. It's the stronger muscle. You should be, I mean, it's, you walk every day. It's the muscle you work out without trying to work it out. You know, it was interesting a long time ago, my brother said uh, something to me. He he's worked with a lot of BMX athletes. I mean, like Olympic BMX athletes uh, as their as mechanic, as a, as a technical consultant and, and bike builds and all of this stuff. And it was very interesting. He told me once he's all the advantage that heavier people have. And I, you know, I've, I've lost and, over the last year, close to a hundred pounds. But the big thing is, is that, 
a heavier person, someone that carries a lot more weight, has deceptively strong leg muscles. It may not look like it, but you got to think. If, if just walking around, you're carrying that weight around. Just going up the stairs, you're carrying that weight around. All of this stuff where you go to the gym and you add weight to carry that, and then, you know, that's your workout. Well, people that have, you know, so anyway, in the end, yeah, okay, cool. You have stronger legs. It's generally going to be your stronger leg muscle or strongest muscle in the body um, in, in relation to the motorcycle. Uh, but as long as you work it out, the other problem with losing, losing a lot of weight is you are going to lose muscle mass. So you just kind of have to balance that out. So I learned that, you know what, my form isn't quite where it needs to be in order for my hands to be able to do the mileage that I want to do or do the kilometers that I want to do. So working on that and that, that came back, I've got a, literally, I've got two more sets of handlebars sitting behind me, uh, that I'm looking to try on the bike and just, my goal is that when I sit on the bike, it just feels like home. This was a conversation that happened a long, long time ago with Mike Jolson from Jimco. Uh, when, uh, my dad, and my parents were getting the 1600 car built that we used to race. And that was the whole thing. We all took turns sitting in the car. We got an average seating position. And like he said, he's all, when you sit down in this car and you grab everything and you reach for everything, it just feels like the office. It's like the pen cup is right there. The notepad is right there. The laptop and the keyboard are right here. The mouse is right there. Everything is just exactly where it needs to be. It doesn't feel like you're reaching for anything. It just feels like it's there. Like if you put your hand, close your eyes, put your hand out, that object is going to be right there. So I'm carrying that over into the motorcycle side of it and setting up this bike and going to have to try a couple of different things because unfortunately the handlebars generally you can't just sit there and bend them into shape. So working on a couple of different setups on that. But the end of the day, like we had talked about um, previous and previous episodes is, you know, you got to make the bike really, really comfortable to ride because you're going to be on it for a long period of time. Now, when I say a long period of time, you, you know, if you're thinking in kilometers, you know, a 200 kilometer road book is actually only 120 miles. So a lot of these guys, you know, they'll, they'll do a 120 kilometer road book to warm up. Um, just because a 120 kilometer road book or 120 mile road book, 200 kilometer road book is for the guys in Dakar. That's a really short day. That's a super fast day you know, depending on the navigation, right? If there's a lot of notes in there, like each note is stacked on top of each other. Yeah. That's going to be a little bit more of a, a, a workout, but generally speaking, a 200 kilometer road book really isn't all that far. So I need to work on that. That is what I'm going to be working on that, you know, to try and get to the point where I can effortlessly ride the bike long distances and do it. The navigation was absolutely fantastic. So um, and there was, there's two, there was two things going on, right? I run a, I run the RNS electronics. Uh, I run a GFX and the GFX pro, uh, on there, the V2, uh, one. So you guys kind of know, right? So the GFX is basically a wheel speed sensor, uh, wheel speed, wheel speed sensor, magnetic pickup trip meter. Generally in rally, you got two things. You got a trip meter going and then you've got a cap heading going simultaneously so you got information on both sides well i was having trouble with the magnetic pickup i didn't have a chance to install their own adapter or their own line dedicated line so i was running an adapter and i in the end i'm pretty sure the the actual magnet itself may not be like right where it needs to be there might be something going on there because it was i was noticing that there was some skipping going on uh, which isn't good, but, 
Uh, also, at, on the same thing, I, I do, for those of you guys that know me and, and have been to some of the events, know that I work very closely with RallyComp uh, on on their product support and and being at the events and supporting with tracking and stuff like that. And so I, you know, I was like, my, I talked to Mike and, you know, we were kind of going back and forth. He's all, well, you really should have a rally comp on there. I'm going, you're right. I really should have a rally comp on here. So, uh, he got one sent out to me, uh, one of the newer versions of rally comp Evo, which there's going to be some videos coming soon. If you guys, uh, are curious to know a little bit about the rally comp and its functions and, and just the basics on it. Uh, so I'll have that on, uh, uploaded soon. I still got to record it. Uh, I am doing or working my way to getting it done before Sonora rally, because that's going to be an important part, uh, for Sonora rally, because there are going to be a lot of guests coming internationally. They're going to be running the national class. Uh, so we want to make sure we have something. So I'll probably do it in English and Spanish and just to make sure that it's, that it's out there. Okay. So next side of this is ended up with the rally comp on there. Uh, Matthew Glade was Johnny on the spot and helped me with the RNS unit, uh, the GFX Pro 2. I was having a little bit of trouble chasing some power issues, chasing, uh, getting some satellites, you know, getting this thing to pick up. But uh, it was really, really awesome. Uh, with the help of Matthew Glade, we're able to get the thing going uh, and get it, uh, get it up and running, and especially on to day two. So the roadbook navigation at this event, and that's what I learned was, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say this loosely. I figured out, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really actually not that horrible at navigating, which is interesting because really roadbooks number two and three occurred here at the SoCal rally. So I had only done previously, I had done a roadbook with uh, Gnarly Dave and one of his routes that he does uh, in, in support of, you know, people like uh, Jacob Argybright, Ace Nelson, uh, Johnny Campbell and, and Ricky Brabeck and stuff like that. So he does roadbooks out in the, uh, out in, uh, the high desert and he's got a lot of routes out there. So I was able to go out on one of them with him. Uh, I went on the, uh, on the 790, uh, which was a bit of a handful. Um, but you know, the, the horsepower solves a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> horsepower makes up for shitty form. I mean, excuse me for poor form. And I learned, you know, with the navigation and everything, I had the, the rally comp, which brings a new aspect to this is I was always like, okay, you know, you need to have two different, you know, you need to have a, a, a distance or a trip meter and you need to have a cap reader and you need to have everything going on at once. Well, on the first day and, and really actually the second day, I pretty much solely relied on the rally comp to do it. And what was interesting is, is that, well, the rally comp, just like the GFX Pro 2 uh, from RNS Electronics, has the same kind of function, right? You can put both information on the screen. You can have your speed and you can have your cap, you know, or your distance and your cap. Uh, you know, uh, Rally Comp Mike Johnson make they make an adapter so you can control it with the thumb switch. Uh, so really, I just really just navigated with the use of the Rally Comp. The RNS unit right there, right next to it. You know, we were we were working on it. It, it was working. It was doing its thing. But I just had the the that like inclination to to look at the rally comp and really just trying to get used to it and functioning and 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 you know familiarize it you know i i've been on the support side of it but never behind the writing side of it you know as much as i did this time so i enjoyed it you know i was able to to mess with it and do all this stuff and and i mean the thing worked awesome and the relationship between it and the roadbook 
So let's talk about that really quick. So imagine you show up, um, you know, somebody gives you directions, right? And they tell you, oh, yeah, 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 make a left at at this coffee shop. And it happens to be a coffee shop chain, which there's one on every block. So you're relying on that person to tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, it's this coffee shop. Okay. And you turn one coffee shop early or one coffee shop later. Well, the kilometers in the road book are kind of the same thing. Each one is its own coffee shop. So the idea behind it and where I'm getting at is when you get to a corner, when you get to a direction in the road book and it tells you 136.32, then you're expecting your navigation equipment to be 136.32 if you've been doing everything else correctly. And there's a couple things that can throw that off. And that is one, if you start cutting in corners, if you start, you know, shortcutting it a little bit, you know, constantly taking inside lines and, and really, really, really pushing the, the course, you're going to start showing up early, uh, to some of these, some of these directions, right? You're going to get there. And instead of it saying 136.32, it may see, say 136 flat, you have to be conscious of that. And that was something that, you know, I learned as well. Um, and then it could go the other way. If you start taking the long way around stuff, then the same thing, you could show up late to a note. You're like, well, here's the note, but man, I actually, according to this, I passed it. So there's a relationship between the road book and what the kilometers say that you can screw up when you're designing the road book. You can drag lines, move lines and add artificial distance to a, to a road book that doesn't need to be there. And then it ends up throwing it off and it's not as tight. Well, every time I pretty much spot checked it, in other words, okay, I'm coming up on this turn. I'm going to take it easy and I'm just going to see exactly where this 136.32 is. And it was right exactly where the note said that it would be, which was really awesome. So two things working there. One, it's a very tight roadbook, in my opinion. Uh, and then also the fact that the rally comp is keeping up with and, and is marking distance accurately. That is very, very important in the sport, right? You need to kind of know. I mean, you could technically, if you are familiar with distances, talk about that here in a second, but you could almost navigate a road book without having a trip meter if you're good at judging distances. It's a pain in the ass, I can imagine, you know, but that's where people like, you know, Jimmy Lewis, where they have these drills where they say, okay, go out a kilometer, make a left go one kilometer, make another left, go one kilometer, and then make a left another kilometer, and I better see you here. In other words, you just make a one kilometer box to get back to right where you were without any help. So if you understand and you can judge that distance, which is something that I started working on, right? So I would look down. I see the next note is 500 meters ahead or 750 meters ahead. Okay, I would look up, pick a spot, and go, okay, that's 750 meters. And I would ride to it kind of slow down and check and I go, oh, nope, a bit short. Okay. I needed to look a little, a little bit further. Basically what I'm doing is recalibrating myself, right? I'm trying to calibrate my eyes to know what a distance is just by kind of looking at it. It's kind of crazy, but it kind of actually does happen. So again, just, you know, just kind of like navigation stuff is you're trying to, trying to pick up and make it easy. The easier you can navigate, then it puts more of the weight back on the riding and it just makes it that much better, I guess. I mean, to me, the road books were very, very easy to navigate. I really enjoyed them. It was something that was awesome. The views were amazing. And I think that it was really a success, right? It gave me a lot of confidence in, okay, 
I can navigate this. This is actually very, you know, straightforward. Uh, the road books were designed with intent, which is interesting. There are no waypoints. So if you get mixed up, it's not like you can open a waypoint on the rally comp and then go back to that spot. Or, or it's not like you can open or, you know, you can't go back to a waypoint and you can't skip forward or open a waypoint to get an arrow to guidance. So you have to be very mindful of what you're doing out there and in both in the design of it and then when you're navigating it. And, and it was very, very easy. I mean, I, I even felt like a pro because there was at one point, there was a part in the road book and I looked a few notes ahead and I learned this on the first day with uh, gnarly Dave is sometimes looking ahead in the notes is going to actually get you more information than trying to go back in the notes and go reset yourself. So I'll talk about that in a minute, but it really did make, uh, it did make a difference. And I was able to say like, well, Hey, look, we're going to ride up against the side of this hill on some single track. But then three notes later, about a kilometer up the road, it comes back down onto a main road. I'm looking around and I'm going, well, there's no other main road. So obviously it's coming back here. So I said, all right, we're going to go. So rolled that main road for about a kilometer. And then all of a sudden, here's a bunch of tracks where people were coming back onto the main road. I re-zeroed it out or, you know, I adjusted my odometer to be where it needed to be for that exact point, And we were off to the races. We ended up saving energy by not going on to a single track with a lot of like twists and turns and slow technical stuff that we were able to just go back and just stay on the main road. A little bit more confident would have ridden that main road at speed and then it would have been, you know, even faster. But that's the kind of stuff that these guys and the pro guys have to be on the lookout for because the fastest way back to the finish line is a straight line sort of quote unquote, right? If you're going to go out and then back, if there's no waypoints out there that you need to go grab, then you could just go straight across. That was what some of the teams in the Dakar were, were doing like the map men and, and, and some of the teams got caught, you know, with, with notes to help shortcut the course is like, well, Hey, look, I rode through here. And actually from note 150, you're going to head out this way to the left. And then you're going to make this like U-turn because look on note 170, you end up back on the same kind of main road. Well, well, why am I going to go do all of that? If I could just stay on this main road at speed and then the course is going to rejoin where I'm at, I just saved myself 20 minutes by not going all the way out. This is all exaggerating, right? Because these guys are fighting for minutes. I mean, what the Dakar this year was less than less than 30 seconds, you know, starting the last day. I mean, that's crazy. That literally is one note away. Like all you had to do was do that on one note, skip one kilometer and it's a whole nother race. So it's really crazy how this works, but it's really awesome. And if you guys are into like the whole instant gratification side of things, right? You know, like you go to, you go to a sprint race, you go to a hair scramble and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Your gratification comes when you lay down that heater lap. Um, when you pass that guy in front of you, there's only so much of that that you get in rally. Every note, has that little spike of, of gratification, like, yes, got it. All right, next note. Yes, got it. Okay, so uh, the road book I'm staring at and on my desk is 227 notes. So in a day, experiencing that 27, 227 times is absolutely crazy. On top of some of these crazy views that you're going to get to see. And it didn't disappoint. I mean, I, we, man, Day two, when we went out, uh, we actually, it was really, really cool. We had our neighbors come out uh, and, and ride this. Uh, Tibby and Nick came out and, you know, Nick was on a 690 
uh, Tibby on his, uh, on his 450. 450 or 501? I'm pretty sure it's 450. And it was awesome. You know, they came out and we went right in. And so uh, the next, you know, the second day we take off, we go up, you know, through this, uh, the what they call the PCT loop. And the wash and everything was just absolutely awesome. It was just perfect hero dirt, right? They got the right amount of rain leading up to the event. Um, you know, we take off and it's really, really funny because you get to the end of this wash and you're looking at the notes and there's just like an arrow pointing up. And as I was talking to my dad about it, I'm like, it, it reminded me of back when you would race out of the Mike Sky Ranch and you would go from Mike Sky Ranch over to the observatory uh, and there was a, a rock when you came around the backside of the hotel that was part of the race course. And on that rock, they painted an arrow. And the deal was it was hard enduro. You had to get your car up this rock uh, just to make it. Well, the road book was kind of the same thing. You come around this corner and all of a sudden there's an arrow there at the note. And you just look and you go, oh, okay, yeah, we're going up that. So started off nice, you know, two track, you know, all the way up. And then it kind of narrowed down a little bit and you just kind of kept climbing. I go, man, this is a, this is pretty crazy. So get up to the top and I'm just enjoying the view because you're up now on the hills looking around and and you're higher than a lot of the hills around you and you can kind of see. And so, you know, you can check out Instagram. There's a couple of the pictures there, but then as you go further up and further through the road book, it started to get more interesting. It turned quickly from two track to single track uh, and going through it. And, and this is where I started to realize that some of the training and some of the stuff that I've been watching, not even practicing, just watching, right. And trying to understand the theory behind it and, and just what to do in the situation is when I really started to figure out that, okay, that I'm, I'm on to something or I'm at least something that's helping me. Miles, there are no substitute or kilometers. There's no substitute for kilometers. Gnarly Dave, you know, grind that into my head. And, and which is very true. I mean, it should go without say, but what to do in case. So I think the first instance that I got that was, as we're going up and down some of these, you know, single track, we're riding right on the crown of the hill on a lot of this stuff. And so it'll be like a single track, real thin, trying to get up. Uh, and then down and across the top of it, like it's, it's pretty thin. But what that is, is you get a lot of downhills that are very, very steep and downhills is not my jam. I don't like riding downhills. I'm used to riding a very big bike, uh, and they tend to pick up speed pretty, pretty fat, pretty fast. So the first one came at, I don't know, it was maybe a few, few kilometers in there's a picture I posted where it says pin it uh, in the, in the note. And just after that picture was this pretty steep downhill off this plateau. It doesn't, you don't expect it to be that steep because you don't think like, Oh, you know, we're we're up here already. So where's this uphill? I don't think we can go any higher. Well, yeah. So I'm headed down this hill. I mean, this is thing, this thing is steep and thankfully with the hero dirt, it wasn't too slick. You know, it was, it was nice. And I'm, I'm going down this. And at one point I'm like, this is getting really steep, steeper than I would like to. So then I remembered a video that I had seen a while back ago from Jimmy Lewis, where there was kind of a drill where he had people stop kind of like on a downhill, just a little mound and put the bike down and just stop and sit there and almost like recalibrate. Well, I tried it. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm sure Nick and Tibby behind me were pissed because I'm like stopping and it, it, it was only for a second, you know, 
but it was just enough for me to like recalibrate my brain and be like, okay, this is how you are down. Scoot back in the seat, get familiar, get, you know, feel comfortable really quickly. It's funny how fast you can do this and just be like, okay, this is the new norm. This is where I'm at. And then just go. Don't go too far back because then the front of the tire or the front tire loses a weight. You know, then you, you lead into, into issues again, that, that it's just one of those things. So, uh, for those of you playing the home game right now, uh, the best way I could do it, if you want to follow along with this and you're in a place you can do it, if you're driving in the car, please don't do this, uh, unless it's a Tesla and it's an autopilot and, uh, you're in a, an area where, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, not going to have any issues. So. A clear, I know, right? I'm trying to qualify that. Okay, don't do this while driving. Just don't. But if you really quickly kind of either stand up or sit back from your desk or wherever it is, cross your arms and you're going to notice, you know, some people are left arm over the right arm and some people are right arm over the left arm. And it's kind of like, huh, you, you never really think about it, but just cross your arms. Don't even think about it. Just cross your arms. And me, I'm a left over right kind of guy. Well, now... As I'm, as I'm talking about this, I'm doing it. Switch your arms. Go right hand or right arm over left arm, if that's how you are, or left arm over right arm. Go the opposite way. And you're going to notice that for the first few seconds, it kind of feels weird, but then that weirdness kind of melts away and you're just like, oh, my arms are crossed. Okay, same concept. So it's just kind of recalibrating your brain. Okay, this is how steep this hill is. It is what it is. Um, we're okay. Don't hang too far off the bike off the back because then you're not going to have any steering the bike's just going to do what it's want to do the front end is just going to do what it, it wants to do so that was the first instance i said okay well the very next instance that i was like oh okay uh i remember this from a video is once we got to the bottom of that there was like three or four whoops and there was this long uphill and it was steep this was not like this was a record for me some of the steepest downhills and uphills i've ever ridden on anything and i was like okay well i mean there there really is no other way to to this right there's a couple whoops i can see them but you know you just kind of skip over the top of them and then you just you know hold on and up we went and i made it about halfway before i just the bike was too much rear end you know not enough forward drive and and i i had to stop so I stopped, you know, um, Nick came up behind me and was able to get around me and then ended up just a little bit further up. And then Tibby was actually the only one that made it all the way up on the first go. Well, as I'm sitting there, uh, Brendan Crow comes up and he's the, the designer of the route. And I could tell if nobody would have told me, I could tell because he was riding it without a road book and comes up and <laughs> Comes up behind me and he's like, you know, pulls up and over and around and it just parks the bike like, eh, no big deal, whatever. And so, you know, I noticed like, okay, well, as he's coming up, I'm watching his riding position and what he's doing is like, okay, he's not, he's neutral. He's not all the way off the back of the thing. He's not all the way over the front of the thing. He's just neutral. And, you know, it parks the bike. Okay. So now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, I got to get this thing up the hill. I throw a leg over it. I'm trying to get going again. It's too steep, right? I'm using the stuff that I learned, you know, from uh, from the Chris Birch, uh, videos, the say no to slow stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm pulling the memory from the, 
from taking off in the sand. Right. And it's kind of like, okay, well you, you don't want to bury the bike. So you have to do it in a, with the right form. Well, this hill's so steep, it doesn't care. And so now it turns into, okay, well, I got to back this thing down. So then I go back and I had recently seen another video from Chris Birch, uh, where it's like, okay, how to basically back a bike down a hill and, you know, okay, you, you didn't make it. Now you got to get this thing over and yeah. So kind of, you know, lay it over to its side, kind of bring it around, get it perpendicular to the hill and then just start wiggling the front tire and let gravity do its thing. And sure enough, now the bike's pointed downhill. I'm like, okay, so this wasn't too bad. Again, I just watched the video and this was enough to like, okay, this is obviously it takes a little bit of faith and you're just like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. So I get it down, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to have to go down. So I go all the way down. I get into like, I go up as much, you know, and it's kind of funny that a few people had already done this because you could kind of see the tracks where people had gone back up the hill a little ways to get speed at it. So same thing. I grabbed it. I turned around, dropped the bike into second, and then just gave it hell. And I'm going, well, one of two things. I'm either going to leave the motor here or I'm going to make it to the top of the hill. Uh, So I'm, you know, headed up the hill. I get past where he's at. The bike kind of starts to drift. And then I remember, weight the pegs and don't turn the bike because the steering is useless at this point. And I feel it kind of drifting off. It's getting into the looser stuff. It's getting into the plants a little bit, you know, the little shrubbery that had grown and but getting a little bit of traction so i just start waiting the peg and then just kind of round it out and get it around next thing i know i'm at the top of the hill what's interesting about it and i only thought about it later was well how like wait why didn't i freak out i mean i had pretty much a panic attack uh on the previous roadbook that i had done with gnarly dave on the 790 where i get to the top of this thing and it's like a teepee it's literally like a straight shot down on the other side at least how i saw it I'm like, how was I not freaking out about going up and down these hills on these big ass bikes? And it's just, or, or on these bikes. And it really just came down to the fact where I'm like, okay, well maybe this isn't as bad as I thought. But then at the same time, I really wasn't thinking like I wasn't thinking about how do I feel about this? I was just thinking I need to make it to the top of that and I need to make it to the bottom of this and I need to make it to the top of that and the bottom of this and then the top of that bottom of this. And then, so It really wasn't, uh, it it was more situational, every situation, every piece of the terrain, every feature, than it was overall just thinking, I am uncomfortable. I am outside of my comfort zone. You know, it was more just like, there's no other things to think about, which is, I guess, the theory of of operation on a motorcycle, right? Uh, Somebody told me a long time ago, I think it was uh, Rob fish. I worked with him at bike bandit for a while, but then now, um, they're down at eight ball tire here in San Diego. And we had talked about it and, and he said, he's all like, you will never see a motorcycle parked outside of a therapist's office. And I was like, interesting, unless the therapist owns the motorcycle, but that's at least what I saw. I don't know if it's hundred percent true. Somebody probably out there is going, that's not true. You know, I, okay. I get it. But you know, for the most part, we'll just, let's just pretend in this world that it doesn't exist, that that doesn't happen. So it was very interesting, right? Just right off the bat, it just, I was like, okay, I, you know, I'm doing this. I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just going out and doing it. So we're getting through this, this road book and it's just absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm feeling more confident, you know, both riding ability and that, you know, my hands aren't killing me yet. Um, so we start coming through and we get down towards the bottom of this hill. And mind you, this is only in the first like 20 kilometers of this road book. This isn't, we haven't even gone that far. And 
I get it for those playing the home game, uh, 20 kilometers, that's about 12 miles. So we're going through this and we start getting into this downhill and it's kind of like this reprieve from all this up and down. And it just turns into this really bitching back and forth on these berms downhill going down this thing. Uh, and I'm just absolutely blown away. I mean, just so much fun having so much fun just in second gear, letting the bike coast as fast as it can third gear, I think at that point and, and just having fun. And it, it just felt so good all the notes were on point, you know, it was very, very easy. I was having a lot of fun with it and we get to the bottom and we're okay. You know, I can see more of this up and downhill over here. Again, this was the first time I kind of used, you know, let's, well, let's just take the road a little ways down. And, and Tibby was the one that said, she's all, well, why don't we check this one and see if we can't get in, um, if we can't find the course. And I was a little bit skeptical about it because I really wasn't sure where the road book went. Well, I rode in, I had, you know, we, we drew straws. I'm the one that was carrying the most gas go in. And I don't know, it was like three quarters of a kilometer, about 750 meters. And all of a sudden there's the course now road books, right? I think this is the course. There's a lot of trails. It is an OHV area. You know, it was already during the day. So there's a chance that a lot of bikes have gone through this. If it's a popular trail, I don't know the area that well to know whether or not it's a, a, a very busy trail. So I go back, I look at, you know, I park myself. I'm looking at the note. I'm looking at what it looks like. I'm like, okay, well, here's this track. There's this track. There's this dead tree in the middle. There's the dead tree in the middle. I'm like, yeah, this is it. So, if you're curious about navigation and you're thinking, like, well, what do you do if you get lost? You know, like, you know, like I say, it'll make sense when you get there, enjoy the ride. And it literally made sense when I got there. And yes, I was enjoying the ride. And that was such a big, like, wow. And then next thing I know, I'm sitting there, you know, a couple minutes, I'm like, damn, I got to be sure because man, if we don't, if this isn't the right way, you know, we're going to be in, you know, we'll either be on the side of the milk carton or we're going to have a helicopter looking for us later. Not really. I was wearing my, I have a, an in reach. Um, then there was tracking so they could see, you know, the people could see where I was at and we were riding as a group, obviously. So as I'm sitting there, here comes somebody else on their bike with a road book. I'm like bitching. We're in the same spot. I haul ass out to go get the guys. We come back in and we continue on to it. Absolutely Amazing two track trail going up through this, uh, up the side of the hill. Now we're playing in the snow, which is awesome. We get up there and then we turn around and then we start headed down into this like yucca tree area. Absolutely awesome. I mean, I was just blown away. And as we're going through some of this stuff, you know, kind of diving down and getting lower, there's a few trails that, that it goes through or communicates. And I remembered hearing seeing a video from this is the third one right so from the sedlock sedlock off-road school sos so uh edgar kota i met him out at sonora rally last year uh is one of the one of the trainers there and um we were talking i was watching the video so after that i kind of followed them and, and really started watching the videos and they constantly put up videos and stuff like that but one of the more recent ones that i saw was them talking about how when you get into a corner that's got a rut that you drag the front brake a little bit, just, just barely drag it just a little bit, 
just to put some weight on that front tire to help get it get some traction. Okay, if grab stabbing at the front brake is the fastest way to take a soil sample, just period in the dirt. You have to really know what you're doing on that because if you panic and you grab a handful of that front brake, it's going to lock the front tire up and you're, you know, like I said, soil samples will be collected. So I get into this corner after this and it kind of dives down and then comes out. And I was going, I kind of, it just, I don't know why it popped into my head. I'm like, this feels like a good place to try it. And I literally go into the corner, just barely put some pressure on the front brake, just drag it. And the bike just felt so stable going through it. And then I was just able to power out of it. I'm like, did that just happen? Maybe I should go do that again. I tried it in the next corner and in the next corner, I was like, wait a minute. Holy hell, this actually works. Again, all I did was watch a video. That was it. And then obviously had a little bit of guts to try it. There's, it's not a replacement for coaching. I'm still going to go do the classes. I still, you know, I still want to go do the Jimmy Lewis class. I still want to go do some classes with, uh, with Sedlak. And it was just absolutely crazy. I was like, wow. Okay. So this, all right. So let's, you know, let's keep going. So it really did turn out to be a really epic ride and it really was a lot of fun. And I learned a lot bike was working way better. Right. And that's where we talked, you know, I've talked about it previously. If you get a suspension guy, start building a relationship with that suspension guy. So they know what you like. You guys get onto the same terms. He knows when you say it, I want plush. He knows what you mean by that. Right. And, and be realistic about your riding ability. That was something that when I talked about previously with, uh, with Ty is like, Hey, look, I've done a lot of reading. It seems like you had this set up before everybody else did. Uh, and so that's, basically why I'm here. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm just going to go this route. Maybe some other people then later refiner, whatever it is, but he was the OG guy, had it, had it working. And so I was like, well, I'm going to build a relationship with him. He's just up the road for me a few hours. So it works out. And I was very clear on what I wanted to do. This isn't a race bike. I'm not, my intention is not to race this thing. It's my intention is to ride this thing long distances and just go out and have fun. So I don't need the super fancy I just need something solid. And that's what this whole bike is, is turned into. I mean, obviously I'm still working on the ride up or, or the episode that I'm going to do with that. And I'm trying to figure out how to tackle that. Cause there was just like so many little things that kind of went into this platform that I purchased from that I purchased used. So it was just things to, that were thought out to try and make it work better and be more comfortable for me. So in the end, we made it to, I think it was like kilometer 90 or something like that. So it really didn't go that far. So uh, nine times six, whatever that is. So uh, for those of you playing the home game, every 10 kilometers is 6.2 miles, uh, just to kind of give you an idea. So that I usually just do the, the math quickly, right? If you do 100 kilometers, you did about 60 miles. So we did about 50 to 60 miles. And I, at that point, I had already collected another soil sample. And what happened there was very, very simple. I'm riding up on the ridge. Uh, and there's a rain rut down below. And I later on found out actually yesterday or the day before when I was watching again, I, I purchased the, uh, Chris Birch videos, the say no to slow, but the enduro version now, because the adventure version had helped me. So I was just watching this. And as I was riding, I'm, I'm being mindful. There's a rut. I'm on an off camber that's sliding me into the rut or going to try and slide me into the rut. 
And what I'm doing, what I then noticed that I was doing wrong was when I was writing this, I was keeping a constant speed. Good. What I was doing is I was actually starting to inadvertently lean into the lean away from the rut, put my body weight away from the rut. And what that ended up ultimately doing is removing the weight from the contact patch of the tire and then ultimately letting it slide down. Now, if I was favoring that side away from the rain rut, you think, well, that shouldn't be a big deal. Well, if you're favoring it and then all of a sudden you see something and you kind of move a little extra more, you've ran out of real estate, right? You move just a little bit more and that was enough to finally like let the bike fall in. And that's what happened. Rear tire fell in. There was no saving it. So I just kind of skidded out, hit the ground, you know, hit bad. I put my wrist out or put my hand out to stop my fall, right? It's natural reaction. And yeah, I ended up, I ended up paying it and, and it was starting to hurt me a little bit, bother me a little bit. Um, but was able, you know, to continue. But by the time we got to the first road crossing or the first bailout point, I was like, okay, you know, I got to go to work tomorrow. You know, I don't want to be all beat up. I don't, you know, so I made the decision, you know, it's like, oh, you know, that that's going to be it for me today. So got back, still did, you know, still did some work. And, and at this time, you know, had already, uh, you know, tightened up the steering head bearings. I had done some previous maintenance on it, uh, lowered the forks and the triple clamps to raise the rake on the bike, uh, get it out. So everything was just working better. And it, I, it was, I was really excited about that, how little by little it's, it's just getting better. So the next day I decided not to ride still. My wrist was a little bit, you know, giving me a little bit of hell. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to take it easy. Just worked on the bike, cleaned up some of the wiring, you know, just, just really just took my time, you know, hung out. I was out in the desert. I was with my dad and we were just all hanging out. So it really worked out. Uh, Nick and Tibby went out for another short ride, um, to go check out, you know, one of the, the next road book as everybody went out. And so it was, it, it was really cool. You know, I, I enjoyed the time out there. It was great seeing, you know, Mo Hart was out there. David Pearson was out there uh, from the American Rally Originals. You know, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of fun. So um, definitely looking forward to doing it again um, and, and getting some more road books. I mean, it was really, really a lot of fun. I, I, I don't think I can say that enough. And, and Dan Bart and the team did a really, really good job uh, getting out there and, and making it happen. Uh, so very thankful for that. Um, you know, it was really awesome to see, you know, in support, they were able to, uh, you know, happy Dave and, and a couple of guys we, you know, all threw in and, uh, were able to help, uh, with some of the, uh, cost mitigation of the event and stuff like that. Cause it costs money. I don't care which way you slice it, you know? Um, yeah, there was, uh, I believe there was some, t- some t-shirts out there, uh, from Tony helping out too, as well. So it, it was, it was awesome. It, it was it was great to see the roadbook community, the off-road community, you know, all kind of combined into one. And, and again, I, I just so excited for the event. It was just so awesome. And to see so many new people out there and nobody out there was like, this isn't, I'm never going to do this again. You know? So that was really awesome. If there's a thing that I regret, it was not like not staying a little bit closer in the main group with everybody and, and talking to more people. Um, I, I do regret that, you know, that part of it. Uh, because you know, there, there's just so many great stories, you know, of people that, you know, what they're trying, you know, uh, Brian Peterson was out there. Uh, he's, he's almost got me convinced to get a Sherco, um, you know, just awesome bikes all around, uh, it seems. And, and, you know, they're very, very quiet, you know, they don't sound like a sewing machine, uh, show a suspension right out of the box. So, 
very, very nice. So I don't know. We'll see. I got a lot. I got, I got some miles to put on the Husky still, you know, it was not going anywhere. So I think that was a big, you know, it, it really did open my eyes, you know, to what, what's out there, what could be out there, uh, and, and what could be done. So I'm looking forward to doing some more of it. Uh, like I said, we got Sonora rally coming up. We're starting to get ready for that one, uh, to be out there, help support, uh, the event. And then, uh, after that, we've got the cold start, uh, coming up. And then beyond that is going to be the, uh, Baja rally school as well. So looking forward to all of these events, man, we got a lot of stuff coming So I don't know. What do you guys think? So first, uh, first road book event. I mean, I think it was a success. It was pretty fun. I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm going to be working on some configuration changes. I was happy to see the roadbook setup that I put down, uh, is, is different in a way that it mounts directly to the handlebars. Uh, rubber mounted but it's still mounted it's got some spacers there uh it's all the way down on the bars so very much out of the way it is a total rally light setup i don't know that it would work necessarily for racing considering that how far you have to drop your vision to see it but for recreational use it's nice that it's out of the way you know and you just have a clear view in front of you so uh at least that's how i see it i enjoyed it it worked well uh, after about close to 600 miles between the ride and then the road book stuff, um, I have not had to turn a single bolt on it yet, uh, to tighten it, to do anything other than just clean up some wiring and just, you know, uh, remove and install some stuff. So very, very awesome. Very excited about that. Uh, I've got another iteration, uh, coming of it that I think will work a little bit better that will take advantage of some of this new stuff, right? We've got some new technology that, you don't need to have a trip and a cap reader separate. You can have them all in one. And that's, you know, either like the GFX two, uh, pro, uh, GFX pro V two, I think it is. And then, or, uh, something like a rally comp that's showing you both the, the distance and the cap at the same time. So I'll have more on that setup and what I'm doing. I also got some basic, uh, rally light setups that I'm doing with manual roadbook holders, uh, to take advantage, to leverage some of that. So, I'll get you guys some more info and details on that side of things. Uh, once I have them, keep an eye on the Instagram uh, for that. But anyway, with that being said, it's time to go to work. So remember, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. <laughs>